0: Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. T.O. Hot. Welcome to another exciting episode of Earl Grey. I'm one of your co-hosts, Lee Hutchison, and I'm joined by... Amy Nelson.
1: And Richard Marquez.
0: How do we follow up our first episode? So we've been debating all week, we've been going to our idea well, and in a way this is kind of a semi-sequel to what we discussed last week, that at the tail end of our discussion about first contact, we spoke we spoke about the line that Picard says... That disease, hunger, famine, money are all wiped out in Star Trek Next Generation. And this is quite an interesting idea because in Deep Space Nine, we see corruption in the Federation, suffering, wartime, money. In Voyager, we see the Maquis, terrorism within the Federation. All these different attitudes are shown. But in the Next Generation, more so than the original series, which is the embodiment of Roddenberry's vision, in, in... we saw in Star Trek, the original series, no peace in our time, said Chang. But then in the next generation, we seem to have really moved into that utopian vision of Roddenberry. The Federation isn't at war. Their only threats are how to kill time on the Enterprise D and the holodeck. And does that vision of utopia work in the next generation? And why does it work? Why does it not work? Richard said last week he didn't think it did. Amy thought it did. I was a little torn. So this is kind of Richard's idea to kind of go with this episode. So I'm going to let I'm going to hand over the hosting duties to this one and see how he kind of makes his case that this utopian vision perhaps is just not too practical in the Star Trek universe. And maybe Amy can kind of point him in the right direction and give him some hope for the future. So Richard, you didn't think utopia worked in the Next Generation's world? Why not?
1: Well, I mean, one of the points I made in the last. Uh... In the last podcast was that uh it it, it eliminates that drive to for a goal and now i understand that uh a, a good majority of uh, next generation uh is about increase or I guess, I guess um the accumulation of wealth and money and things is not really a drive anymore it's more of a self-improvement but what what propels you to do to to go for that kind of improvement and to me something like i mean it, i mean not like currency is something that would be uh used probably in the 24th century but there's got to be something i mean we we even have there's even the star trek online game that uh, that deals with uh federation credits i mean something like that i could understand uh but like i mean it, you got to have something to barter with i mean you can't always have um you can't yeah, you can't help always have like materials for like other species like let's say the Ferengi who who want nothing but gold pressed latinum and and basically plate everything uh gold uh, gold pressed latinum, even their toilets. <laughs> but, like I I mean it's just it, it just it just doesn't register in my mind, I actually have read a couple articles. Um Amy's Amy can probably talk about them. Uh it's uh there was a youtube video of a uh, of a uh, i'm assuming it's an economic uh or economist um that's basically talking about how um eventually it's going to get to the point where money and wealth is not going to be a drive anymore and yeah we're going to be more in we it's the in a sense the in, the intellect of a person is going to be more more valuable than now i would hope so but I don't know. I just can't see it.
2: <laughs> well, don't don't you think when Picard says in First Contact that we work better, we work to better ourselves and humanity? I I mean, can't you see that? I mean, do you, when when I hear that, I think, okay, if I didn't have to worry about money, you know, if I didn't have to pay bills, that I could really work on myself and I think work on humanity. I think being a teacher Um, I'm always trying to hone my skill and teach the best that I can. And if I didn't have to worry about money, I could really excel at that. And I think that that would improve humanity. Um, I think if we could get rid of that whole working for money, I think uh, we could better ourselves and better humanity.
0: I think you're right there as well, Amy, that I work in academia, academia as well. And I find that's a a very good point, and I I, I kind of share it as well. That I work in a lot of different classroom environments, and in a lot of the times, in especially the kind of the, say the artistic classes, I sometimes think it's a waste of time that a lot of these students are creative, such wonderful ideas, but there's very few places in the world that will reward that financially, Um, you know there's it's very difficult through the arts to to build a house you know and the idea that if money wasn't an object that we could become a bit more of a creative society think of all the amazing books that would be written the amount of time that we could dedicate to exploring ourselves and discovering like true talents what are we truly talented at and to kind of work on thesis ideas have the time to properly focus our our brains on discovering something bringing something to mankind as opposed to perhaps slotting into any old job and kind of creating financial you know support and stuff I think there's definitely something to be said there that we're not getting the the avenues to to explore and in Star Trek I, I see that as different that the crew have time to pursue challenges in science art you know, look at data, for example, data can learn to play the violin, data can explore scientific discoveries that's something that's missing now it's one or the other, and one of them is you know the world has has heavily leaned against
1: so and i understand i i understand where you guys are coming from, and you know that's that's great from a uh from an educational standpoint because i mean you have achievements such as uh artwork uh uh, books or even or, or whatever kind of piece of uh, uh, academia <laughs> uh, or or whatever you're working on. But I mean, for me, you know, I'm outside of the. Uh, I'm actually outside of education, and I am basic basically what you could call me is I'm a workhorse. Uh, and you know, one of the things that really drives my industry is that uh, it, we're we're based on claims on how much we do, and. Now granted i don't get paid by the claim or or anything like that because I'd probably be a millionaire by now but <laughs> but like it's just I, I mean I mean maybe in the future, if the advancement of robotics actually uh, in, uh increases and actually helps us out and gets rid of those in a sense manual labor and also dangerous jobs uh especially especially uh building starships i mean it, I, I can only imagine what it'd be like to be, uh, build a starship in the middles in outer space on how dangerous that would be and how long it would take for let's say a thousand humans in spacesuits who have to uh you know uh you know constantly uh refill on air but regardless and, and, and I'm, I'm going out track there but i'm just saying like you know it's it's that's what i don't understand about the whole utopia thing and why it doesn't make sense to me is that you have those people who are uh who are going to work for those officers that we always see on tng who yes they're in, they're an intellectual i'm not saying that um you know if you're just creating art and creating books it it doesn't make you a hard hard worker but to me you know in order to create that work ethic that uh commitment to actually move towards um a good uh, uh, like a good you know, like a good work ethic you, you you need to put some uh you need to put some time into I I don't know, work. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, you bring up a good point and one that I've thought about this week is, you know, we look at the enterprise and and our crew and we're basically seeing the 1%. And in fact, it's the top 1%, right? Because being... Posted on the Enterprise is the place to be. And, you know, we've been talking about, yeah, how, you know, we would enjoy bettering ourselves. But is that true for the other 99% of humanity? I mean, do you know people who, you know, I have someone in my own family who just chooses not to work. And I don't understand why they are physically able to, they're mentally able to and they just choose not to. And I—I I, that makes me think about, well, would society, would humanity, if there was no money, actually take advantage of it and better themselves? What do you think?
0: I think one of the big flaws with, with the next generation in particular, and really most of Star Trek is that we've very, very little see of the day-to-day humans. Like in terms of what we've seen on earth we've seen someone on a vineyard we've seen people at starfleet headquarters we've seen someone have a, a restaurant in new orleans we've seen so little of earth how does earth run how do what do people do on earth that aren't employed by starfleet the you know the federation what do they do what you know who runs the local corner shop who you know the barista a lot of these things aren't really clear and it's amazing to think over the 50 years that star trek's been on the go how this huge portion of our world we have no idea what it does you know we've seen the bar flies in star trek first contact but who are? what do those folk do in in the 24th century and that's something that i think the the star trek vision as you say it it focuses largely on the one percent that our idea of the future is tailored through what these people do not really what the rest of the world is it's like if if today there was a you know star trek whatever star trek 2016 and they just focused on the people at nasa and every so often we'd maybe see someone off base our idea if we were sending that out to the world would be that everyone's kind of like at NASA everyone's a space explorer everyone's in the sciences everyone is you know creative all these different things we wouldn't have an idea what the the Lees the Amys the Richards the Barflies, the the lazy brothers you know the the significant others do in the world so I think that's a huge flaw within the presentation of utopia and the next generation is that it, it is as you say that that one percent trekkers
2: yeah, I, people have an amazing ability to be unhappy, and uh, I think a lot of people do choose to be unhappy, unfortunately, and so that does put into question this utopian society that Star Trek brings up. Well, another thought I had was, you know, if we're striving, like, if we're not trying to accumulate, you know, money well, what are we trying to do? We're trying to be the best. We're trying to, you know, better ourselves. But if I just think humanity has a drive to be the best, well, if everyone's the best, then no one is the best. And, you know, so much in our culture that being the best is is getting that high status in whatever profession or field you're in, um, which therefore leads to greed. And I think we see a lot of that. And so how can we better ourselves? And, and like you mentioned before, Richard, like what is going to drive us? Cause if I'm going to be the best teacher, then, then there has to be others who aren't good teachers in order for me to be the best. you know what I mean?
1: Yep. Oh, I totally agree with you. Cause I mean, like I said, you know, it, within my own industry, it's the same thing. Uh, it, you got, people who are trying to uh i mean compete against each other and you know i mean yeah you can help them out i mean I, i'm not saying that i don't <laughs> uh on my end uh i'm just saying like as in like in the in the in the future it's just you have to have you, uh, there has to be there has to be something i mean uh, as we're as we're talking about this and we're talking about wealth in uh just you know, what drives us. I mean, really, that borders right there with evolution. I mean, what's next for the human race? I mean, it's that. well, and and in this case, it'd be the Federation. But I mean, I'm talking about like, for us as a a species, I mean, we can go past economics. But I mean, like, really, the only real drive, if we want to increase our intellect, as well as uh, to better ourselves, I mean, I guess the next step would be if we got rid of economics would be evolution.
2: Well, I think in like um, the neutral zone, when those uh, cryogenically frozen 21st century people remember that episode. And uh, so Billy's
0: in space. Yes.
2: <laughs> so Picard says people are no longer obsessed with the accumulation of things. We've eliminated hunger, want, the need for possessions. We've grown out of our infancy. And he's talking to the rich guy Offenhauser. And he's like, there's no trace of my money. My office is gone. What will I do? How will I live? And it just goes to that point that, you know, are we still in this infancy where we can't imagine how we're going to motivate ourselves if money isn't involved, you know, and is just the motivation of being better? Is that enough?
0: I think the first thing that we would need to do to get really to that that Roddenberry vision of utopia isn't so much removing of the the economics. I feel that's kind of a much later stage. I feel it's that our society, especially at the moment, is one that's very insular, that in recent months, the the UK has voted for, for Brexit to remove itself from the European Union. You have the election of Donald Trump in America, where the main policy, regardless of whether you support him or not, is about removing oneself from kind of unite the those talk of removing themselves from nato partnerships with uh, the, europe partnerships with asia and it's making the u.s something insular we look at you know especially throughout the wave of europe just now y- the idea of a european union seems to be crumbling apart that that kind of goes against where we expect to get to an earth where we all come together and we have uh you know a the federation president, all these sorts of things that in terms of it's removing the idea that I am a British citizen, you're an American citizen, there's Canadian citizens, South American citizens, and instead getting to a stage where we are almost define ourselves as citizens of earth. That if we can get to that stage where then we are cooperating with other nations, that instead of a nuclear race to see who can produce the most nuclear weapons it's who can produce the most energy-efficient technology and pull people up with us that when we are we're sharing we you know sharing wealth sharing ideas sharing technology and that builds itself up that when you get to that stage then the idea of say a shared global currency and then it's constantly through evolving through those thousands of steps that it'll take just now we're probably viewing it as how do we get from there to here and how we get from there to here is is through a hell of a long way to get to that kind of united earth that they speak about in the um in uh, the higher ground
2: so lee you're saying we're stronger together
0: <laughs> <laughs> well yes you, you could argue argue that i'm sure copyright um but um f- for me that you know i watched kind of star trek and everything and i see that that kind of that united federation of planets and i i always think that utopia and it's more so kind of shown in deep space nine is that we see it in the next generation this is a utopia society everything's perfect in the future everyone's happy in the next generation there's peace in our time but it's it's almost to quote the dark night rises it's a burrowed dam that we're all living on that this utopia is built upon there's corruption within the federation we see somewhat of that in the next generation admittedly through uh, alien worms but we see that more so in deep space 9 that the next generation that we know and love is it maybe just a fraud it's not actually real we've we've seen the other side that section 31 they're doing a lot to keep that keep that afloat
1: i i just i yeah there's, got, there's just got to be more. I mean, we we run into so many species, well, in, in the TV show, <laughs> we run into so many of the species uh, that have economy, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can, well, even still, that's still, that's still in a sense, well, I guess, wouldn't technically, uh, like an exchange of like great works artworks or even replica copies or even we've even seen um where uh in in the very first season uh of TNG where Picard gives away that 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 Chinese uh dynasty um horse I think that's what it was I I I can't remember it was as a piece of offering I mean even that could be like considered considered um currency to those people I mean I guess I guess you could use that as a barter system I don't know
0: I think yeah, you 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 definitely make a good point that there there would be a, a barter system in, in a way, but I, I I definitely agree that the idea that they present in in Star Trek in particular is that yeah, you can say in Star Trek the Next Generation is that oh well, we've eliminated money, but there's not like and it's just so often the case in Star Trek, it contradicts with what we actually see elsewhere, what we see on. Deep Space Nine, what we see perhaps when Harry Kim, you know, do you want to buy something for your, your mummy to send back to Earth, that it doesn't kind of match up with what we see elsewhere, and, you know, part of me is inclined to be, be believe that Picard's bragging about this future Federation, like, oh, well, we've, we've wiped out disease, hunger, famine, you know, we all get along, you know, maybe I think there's maybe a bit of him being a bit of a blowhard there, you know, bigging up the Federation, that is this perfect utopia, that we've got it all, maybe not so much, maybe that kind of, what is currency to someone like Lily in, um, in that century, that currency is somewhat different in the future, that there must be some sort of kind of, you know, financial, not necessarily financial, but some sort of credit system, you know, something along those lines where, you know, you work in Starfleet, you get built up certain credits that you can exchange at other planets you can exchange for all these different things maybe it's not so much financial but it's more of a a rewards currency but just suppose currency is in its first place but i'm, I'm it's probably something I, I would need to kind of develop within my head but I, I hopefully people get what i'm kind of implying
1: how do you see the uh, how do you see the future of economics uh amy
2: well i think um I was reading the articles and, um, it was talking about how we are approaching, uh, this post scarcity, scarcity world. And, you know, that sort of goes to, you know, getting rid of hunger and disease and stuff. And, and if, if we can do that, and, it, and it was saying there's the, there's only our economics are 30% goods and 70% services, And if we can get to that point of replicators, that's going to eliminate the need of goods. Um, But still, that's not eliminating the need for services, you know. And there are, uh, on the Babel conference, Ron Sarna was talking uh, about, well, can you really eliminate those services? And you see so many uh, jobs, I guess, I don't know, in Star Trek you would call them, like miners or, you know, people doing the... Not so status-driven careers, picking up trash or whatever. That are they doing it because they have this love of mining dilithium or whatever, or picking up and getting rid of the trash? I mean, you can. It's all fine and dandy to say, yeah, you're in education, you're a doctor, and and those that are progressing humanity, um, but that's only a few of the things that really need to be done and so how do the other careers I mean are you going to be the best in that career and is that what you really want to do what what do you think
0: yeah I think you you definitely make a good point there that my interpretation as I say kind of pulling on from the thread I was kind of thinking in my head that I, I think that you work in say Starfleet for example you know you, you see it perhaps in Star Trek 09, for example, you know, enlist in Starfleet, that if you enlist and work in Starfleet, that you're on some sort of kind of credit system that, you know, the, the missions you go on, the years in deep space that you accumulate, you build up so much credit and that all these different things you can get through. As I say, it still sounds like a kind of form of currency, but perhaps it's something that you can kind of trade in, whether it's that you get kind of leave paid for by the Federation classes, homes, all these different things. Essentially, you work on a a starship, that's your home for perhaps a five-year spell, deep space, 10, 15 years, that it's maybe similar to the army in a way, you know you go out into space you're going off to perhaps better yourself learn more and that starfleet covers the the living costs of that for example whereas back on earth there's still a kind of financial credit system that the people that are um, kind of just you know the down and outs for example that maybe are just taking kind of low-end jobs people that want to do service jobs people that want to you know a mining kind of station is perhaps based on their planet all these different things that they are more on a, a financial credit system, financial incentives, and that starfleet earns more on kind of a credit for success, reward, and that's rewarded perhaps in kind of other ways.
1: See, and unfortunately, that still doesn't get rid of the uh, economics piece of TNG. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting anything you have said. I'm just saying, like um thinking about like i mean yeah that's great you get all these achievements and everything but like amy has said you know there are some people out there that um abuse the system in a sense um when it comes to like i don't know let's say food stamps or something like that or uh, or uh even free services that are mentioned by the government or that are uh given by the government so long as you meet this standard well if you don't go past that standard you're always going to get that free stuff. So, in a sense, you're a... milking the system. <laughs> so you're milking the system, and it's like, I mean, I mean, in the future, I can only, I can only see that problem getting worse. And you know, okay, so maybe, maybe like, yeah, replicators would get rid of goods, services. We can do holograms, but then again, you know, as we found, well. I don't know if we should be dipping into Voyager, but you know, obviously, we found out that you know holograms uh, get, get the uh, finally get the right, and then what happens? Then they stop working, and then what? Now robotics, and then uh, then they get intelligent with AI, and all of a sudden now they have rights as well. It's just, I mean, that, that's, I mean, it's one problem after another. I mean, I guess I don't, I mean,
2: well, Richard, you bring up a really good point. I mean, because in Measure of a Man. That is the point, you know. Here is this machine, data, and does he have rights? And, you know, he's providing this service, and as was mentioned, you know, we could have a data on every starship, and he could do all the dangerous missions, and then you get talk to Gynen and her point of view as well, you know, he does do a service, but is that slavery? And so, yeah, how are you going to cover all these service jobs if no one's wanting to do them because they're trying to better themselves.
0: One thing that's going to be quite interesting kind of in this view of the Federation future is, isn't next generation going to have a similar problem to what we've got just now that we see that there's a lot of problems that in, say, 40 years ago that people were employed in you know, building things, creating things that British society in the North uh, the American Rust Belt, were are making cars, iron, coal, all these things, 40 years later, a lot of that's replaced by robotics, and that's something that's always going to continue, that a lot of the jobs that were keeping people kind of employed, giving people a, a decent wage, are going to be replaced by robots and that's going to be something that's become going to become more of an issue especially in star trek that we'll reach a stage where robotics can can take over the you know, construction of a starship why why do we need why do we need someone that's skilled to do that when we probably could get a robot to do it you know that doesn't seem too unlikely in a federation future so where do these people go if you've got a society that's built where you know there's a lot of robots the robots you know and some skilled people help build the starships and the starships are going to be filled with the kind of this one percent where did the people go that perhaps in the star trek 09 period the the original series version the era would then um, have built the starships where do these people go what do they do and that causes an issue how can you have a you know we see it now that you can re- have progress in terms of you know robotics and science and kind of improving upon you know construction but if you can't give people happiness a job and a place in the world those people become disgruntled and we mm-hmm. see it in the UK and we see it in America that the backlash from that is is very harsh what what's to say something like that wouldn't happen in a star trek next generation world and i think something you you know then that kind of once again proves that the kind of the utopia vision in in next generation is a bit of a lie that we're seeing this one percent where's the where's the rust belters where's the the people that worked in the the star fleet factories where do they go what do they do are they happy i don't
1: know right and yeah exactly i mean and not everyone uh, I'm not poking fun at at education whatsoever, but uh, I'm just saying, like, w- not everyone can be a poet or, or a writer or an artist of any kind. And, you know, you got those people that are, you know, built for, and I don't want to say manual labor. That's not the correct term. Skilled labor. <laughs> Thank you. Um, there are those people that are, you know, built for skilled labor. and. I I mean I I'm for me I I know that's that's the truth. I mean, I'm a skilled laborer, that's for sure. i know no artist. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, you know, yeah yeah, okay. I play video games too, but I mean I'm sure that's not going to be something uh that could well, maybe a ro- maybe a robotic driver or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that could be mine. Uh that would be my job in the future.
2: Well, Lee <laughs> when you were talking it reminded me like how You know, yeah, if we are going, robotics are going to take, not take over, but, you know, slowly replace some things that, uh, was used to be done by humans. You know, and I just think, can we get society on board with this future? And I just, it popped into my mind, like when cameras came up at the intersections or the speeding cameras, you know, that clock you and then give you a ticket and just the backlash of people, they can't do that, you know? And I'm like, well, why, why would we want to put a, you know, a person doing that job when it could so easily be done? you know, by a machine and, but you still get that backlash of society, uh, not wanting that progression. And I, I find it interesting if we could, you know, get a a theme and, and a one set mind of that this is going to go for the betterment of humanity. You know, can we all get there together? And I just, I think no, uh, sometimes because, You look at population and as a math teacher, it just, whenever I think of large groups of people, the normal curve pops into my mind. And, you know, we talked about earlier, you're going to have those people who aren't wanting to better themselves and those would be your outskirts. And then you have the majority of people under the bell curve, but you're always going to have those you know, far left and far right people who are going to be your overachievers or your underachievers, and how can we move them to this utopian society and ideal?
0: And I think one thing that's going to be would be very interesting as well is that kind of what's classed just now as kind of intellectual elitism, that you're interested in science, you're interested in kind of the way the world works, kind of looking towards the future and that's something that's perhaps looked upon negatively these days that um, whereas before something like that would carry a lot of weight, there seems to be a, a real kind of anti-intellectualism that we see in our current society. In the Federation future, we see it through the kind of the 1%, as you say, and that's not so much an issue. No one ever puts down LaForge, O'Brien, all these different characters for, you know, embracing their intellect. And I think that's one thing that the Starfleet kind of vision paints so well is that, you know, science is rewarded. People we've seen it kind of largely through history. You look back at the, the people that were burned on the cross were people that said the world was round. That we see it nowadays that you know, we have scientists claim global warming and, you know, is one of the biggest issues of our time, and they're dismissed. That in the Star Trek Next Generation future, those scientists are the pillars of society, not the the politicians, not the lawyers. It's the scientists, and that's something I'd I'd love to see that Star Trek. That's the one part of the Star Trek utopia I'd love to see come to life. Is that that kind of respect of of intellect, respect of science that is all too missing, especially in the West these days, and you know in the in the East as well. That get back to that roots that's part of the Roddenberry vision as much as kind of financial side is the importance of science and how science is used for the betterment of everyone just now it's used as kind of a a political weapon
2: agreed I think yeah we could definitely unite and come together and and help build this utopian society if we are willing to cultivate you know talent and intellect that's a very good point I I agree 100 percent
0: You look at like America just now and America, you know, in particular was built by that kind of, those rust belts, those were the people that kind of built American society, those people that went out west, you know, searching for gold, those people that laid the train tracks to California, it it was the manual laborers that built the spine of America Um, and that was people from all around the world that came and built the American railroad system, all these different things. In the Star Trek vision of the future, it's it's largely the scientists that have done it, the scientists that have pushed warp travel, the scientists that have pushed traveling through the stars, the scientists that have pushed creating all these amazing technologies. And that's something that I think is a beautiful vision for the future is that constant evolving that we've, we've, we're using our hands to create a foundation and using brains to continue to push that forward and stuff. And yes, those hands are just as important in the find is constantly building but we need those brains as much as anything to help you know control and build and push on i believe
1: right no i totally agree and you know when i when i think of the utopia uh, future i mean i don't think of it without uh, any kind of um, economics or any money i mean proper compensation between um, I guess employer-employee, if if that's what you want, or even co- or even coworkers, um, or you know, uh, even healthy uh, uh, competition between I don't know companies or even groups or something like that. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, that's how I see the future, or at least the twenty fourth century, because I can't believe I I just I just can't see it w- I mean, without something compensating uh, the worker, because it just didn't feel like that when you're look when you're watching TNG. Yeah, you see that in, you see. Something like that in in DS nine, and um, uh, well, you really don't see it in Voyager because it's basically a copy of TNG in outer space or last in space. Um, but uh, it's just, yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, I'm all for uh, I- increasing, you know, intellect and whatnot. And it, it's just, I, I, what I'm starting to see is, oh, what when what I'm starting to envision in my mind about the future is that it's just it turn, it's it it feels like it's going to divide again like I, like you know but obviously today with um you know there's more division today than there ever was i'm sure in in the last 10 15 years um especially within the united states um but i'm talking about like who's intel, who's uh who's that who are those people that are more intellect than those others like like we're saying people who um are the 1% and then those others that are the 99% who provide all those services so, I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully, we evolve past that, <laughs> or at least three hundred years from now. I hope so.
0: <laughs> and I think it's definitely going to take take a long time. We see it in, in enterprise, for example. It, it there was there was a lot of kind of what we're seeing now is in terms of that there are a lot of unhappy people about kind of the the demographics of the world that are changing. You know, the world's changed from what they knew before the Vulcans arrived. Before starfleet went into the into space and started making first contact with all these people that we can it's that kind of go back to the progress thing we can be insular in our politics in uk europe and america but progress is still going to happen america you know for example like by 2051 or something like that that it's going to be more minorities than you know white individuals that's not no matter what happens no matter who's in power that's something that's unstoppable in the UK for example it, that's unstoppable either you can have moments like this where you can try and fight the tide in terms of politics that you can look inward and say we want to kind of you know make America great again by you know keeping things within America but reality is always going to be pushing towards that Star Trek vision and that gives me hope that we can say we want to keep things inwards, but the way society is, the way it's diversifying, it has no choice but to work together. And with issues like climate change, where we're going to have to have that Star Trek brain on, where we're going to have to work with the the sciences, where we're going to have to work with the the inventors, all these people, that gives you hope that it could be a mini federation, that people are going to be around that table using their brains, their best people, to build a better world that we can survive in that we can make earth hospitable so that we can eventually go into the stars that's got to happen and it will happen nothing can stop that because it's it will happen progress is you know smashes through boundaries politics and it will happen 24th century it's not unrealistic that that progress will push so far that we could get to that starfleet utopia progress can be very disturbing and very tricky for a lot of people but it's it's unstoppable
2: (laughs) that was like the perfect ending um no i i agree with you too lee as i in the last podcast you know i really do believe in a star trek utopian society and you know feeling uh, that it is possible, I think it is a direction that we can work towards, and you can look back on history and see all of the progress that we have made, and that it's going to continue i mean who's who can stop us now really um and you look at the advancements that we have with say for example, the internet and uh, those people creative minds who made that happen and now all of this social media and I think it brings people together and and so I I can see the uh, utopian society taking place
1: but is it does that Utopian society uh, have uh, currency or not
2: <laughs> <laughs> well I think we can get to a place uh, and like we've said you do need some type of bartering so i think that may always but are we just still too close-minded to see something beyond money we just may not th- have seen what to do to replace that
0: you th- i think of it that i think that the the trading of ideas is going to be truly important and the most worthwhile currency that you think of kind of Japan after after the World War and America pumped it full of all this money and it you know, it became one of the most diverse societies in terms of how they how they use their technology, for example. And that's kind of gone back into the world with the sharing of technologies and the set well, more so the selling of technologies. And I think I can see a future really where you know, it kind of goes in a face of what the Prime Directive perhaps is, but when the Federation turns up a a planet and it's like, instead of that, what can we buy and sell to you? It's like, what can we trade? Okay, what's this planet got? We've maybe got this ore. Maybe we've got this idea that creates a cleaner warp drive. Well, we can trade that. We've got this amazing replicator technology let us have that and those ideas are so much more value from it than money you could give a planet 10 billion you know it can put in perhaps into other things but you give an idea you give a technology and you can enhance that society perhaps in a way that finances can only go so far. And I think that's going to be the future is that we see Starfleet have got all these incredible technologies. And if they share it wisely, they share it among friends, share it among allies. That's a vision worth believing in that the we were never going to get the replicators because they're not part of that kind of federation. If you've got ideas, then you can bring people to the table and you can go, we've got this. We're willing to share that. Are you willing to share something with us? And it creates a partnership. It creates a development as opposed to a rivalry. How can we help you, and you can help us? And that's worth more than any money on the planet, I believe.
2: Agreed.
1: Wouldn't that work for different species, or or even or even now uh, it, it, in the world today? We could share technology and and whatnot. That still doesn't um, answer the question of within like a federation society i mean oh granted, okay we can we can talk about barter system and all that i just i still don't see it (laughs) i still don't see the see it without it without a money
0: we see that earth's got currency the ferengi has got currency how many of these other federation nations and picard lists that there's a hell of a lot of them actually have currency that we're in a way putting our values onto these other planets it's um, a You know, currency is something that's developed kind of naturally in our society, that you could throw a planet all the way, hundreds of light years away, and their evolution, their society growth, who's to say they would ever even have the idea of currency, that they're perhaps, you know, it's never even something that's ever possibly happened there. So the idea that when we're going out into the stars and we're looking to create partnerships to develop a utopian society perhaps money is not even an issue that we need to overcome with a lot of these nations. And it's in a sense, perhaps differences of application ideas that really is going to be the thing to overcome as opposed to financial.
1: You're talking about like a socialist uh, a socialist society.
0: Like yeah, in, it's, in it's, everyone? it's highly possible that you have perhaps you bump into socialist societies, you bump into societies where they trade ideas look at the, the binars, for example, there's no financials there it's all about technology that society that the idea that i think we you know we're looking at kind of how do we get to the utopian idea of the federation is perhaps a lot of these nations perhaps a lot of these planets that we're interacting with money is not the issue it's just something that we need to overcome ourselves
1: wouldn't that create a problem of like uh creating classes. I'm I mean, cause correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, I'm a little rusty on my political science, <laughs> but like, isn't that the main, re- main problem of socialism is that, uh, it creates, I, I like, it, it basically divides people into groups as in like the, you know, um, those who, Obviously, uh, uh, let's just let's just say like miners versus like someone who does computers or something like that or like an office job. Obviously, someone who's doing computers won't get the same amount of rations as someone that that's a coal miner. I mean, because obviously they need more energy to work, or or maybe not even a coal miner, or just some kind of manual labor of some sort. I mean, something like that wouldn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily be useful to let's say. Like I said, uh, someone that works in an office. I mean, that's my only issue with it, because I mean, what socialism is about equal fair share of everything, and really, it's uh, not re- it's not really great on a society, or at least I mean, not a pure socialistic uh, society.
2: I think some uh, the problem with that is people equate fair with equal and that's not always the case and I see it a lot in education and my students complain to me, but I need to remind them equal is not fair. And so, yeah, if you are doing manual labor, then, yeah, maybe you need more support or more food or what have you. Um, and so, again, but then you need someone doling out that fairness. And there you get into, I think, what you're saying, this this class level, you know, of those who are saying what everyone's going to have or those who's, you know, going on a case-by-case you know, judgment of, well, you get this, you get this, you know, who, who is the one that's doling it out. But in a utopian society, I think Lee, what you were saying is that, you know, we could come across other planets and other species and like the binars or others, you know, that, that they do this trade. And I love the idea of meeting someone who's never had to deal with money and that, yeah, there's going to be trade, but that doesn't always equate to money. And and so that, yeah, I can trade an idea with you if you trade an idea with me or even trade an idea for, you know, something else, something tangible. It doesn't always have to be intangible. And I love that idea.
0: Perhaps what we've really discovered here today, kind of starting to wrap things up, is that the utopian society perhaps the federation how the federation deals with things that how the federation deals with economics how the federation deals with ideas the trading of ideas the importing and back on earth earth well a member of the federation perhaps has different ways of going around things how that society pays credits all these different things and that's something that we just don't have the information on to really say how is things run on earth because the sample we've been given in 50 years of star trek is so small whereas the sample we've been given within the federation shows a lot of what we've spoken about that within you know the ferengi you know the ferengi aren't necessarily aren't members of the federation they deal with credits Out with that, how many of the other planets within the Federation do we see deal with credit? Next to none of them. And that we are perhaps just, we just don't have enough information to really say this is how the utopian vision, especially in terms of economics, is built within the Federation because the data is is so limited. So we can only conjecture and speculate. We've got a lot of information on how the Federation operates. We've got enough to know that most of the nation's never mention credit that within the federation there's the trading of ideas personnel all these ideas intellectualism that is what the number one trade is what's it like on earth we just don't have enough information and that's something that that that's really is missing and you know we've got the the ferengi not a member of the federation as, as far as i remember and they buy into currency so we, we really need more information to come to a conclusion on how this utopian society that we see in particular through the next generation where there, there is no war, but there's this trading of ideas that truly is peacetime within the Federation. We just, we just don't know. An economic utopia is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's what's been happening on all our other shows.
1: Previously on Trek.fm, Melodic Treks. Now, both of those tracks make me think of Indiana Jones.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think you, you're you're kind of right there. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that I have only ever seen the fourth Indiana Jones movie. Dear Lord. Warp 5.
1: What's your favorite episode of Enterprise? Um, I usually say Strange New World. The first oh. part of Strange New World uh, just reminds me so much of being a kid and growing up in southeastern Oklahoma and the mountains and the woods. And... I just imagine what it would be like to go camping on an alien planet.
0: Meta Treks.
1: And that's that's the world of language that we live in. It's not this this purely
0: referential sense of language. Like when Riker says a minuet, he doesn't just mean, oh, yeah, that thing, minuet, that I can point to, whatever that is on the holodeck, right?
1: A 17th century French dance. Maybe maybe he wants to dance.
0: <laughs> Riker wants to bust and a And that's move. what else is happening on Trek.FM. And remember, people, get your five-star reviews in for the podcast. Um, we'd love to see them. If you, can, if you leave a five-star review in the UK iTunes Store, remember you'll be put into a raffle to get two of the amazing Eagle Moss Star Trek Starships Collection mag- magazines, the Bajoran Fighter and the Warp Delta Starship. Now, they're worth £20, but all it costs you to get into this raffle is a five-star review in the UK iTunes store. It would mean a lot to us and the previous hosts of this show. As I say, it would mean a hell of a lot. And you can be put into this raffle, and we will draw a winner at the end of the year. So get those five-star reviews in, or any type of reviews you want. But the five-star reviews will get entered into a raffle. So get typing and get starring.
1: Okay, well, um, well, we'd love to hear your guys' ideas on the Babel Conference. Uh, tell us about your ideas on what you what you would see uh, the utopia uh, society of the future with or without currency or whatnot. Um, but we would love to hear your guys' ideas.
2: You can listen to every show on the network at trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by audible.com. Offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPod, iPad, Kindle, Android, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com/trekfm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At Patreon.com slash TrekFM, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards for becoming a TrekFM patron. You will be inside the observation lounge of our network, able to participate in our monthly patron roundtable podcasts, and supporting the production of all our great content. We would like to take this moment to thank our current Patreon associate producers, Stephen Boyd, Michael Huetner, and Ron Sarna. Thank you for supporting Earl Gray. Connect with other Trek FM listeners on our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference, found through the Facebook search field or like the facebookcom Trek FM page for show updates and announcements. The network is also on Twitter at Trek FM. If you would like to contact Lee, Richard, or myself, Visit tra- trek.fm slash contact to send us a subspace message or find us on social media. So Richard, where can people find you?
1: Uh, they can find me on the Babel Conference. I pop in here and there. And also they can find me on
0: Twitter at XRansom. Lee, how about you? You can find me at Star Trek VHS. And you can find me at Lee underscore Nostromo. And you can find me on my own podcast, Filibuster, where we talk about Star Trek sometimes. And we talk about movies, film culture, geek culture, everything that's kind of going on in the indie cinema. It can change week to week. So yeah, you can find me there too on the Nerd Party Network.
2: And you can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, uh, but mostly on the Babel Conference, as I mentioned before. Well, join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Good tea, nice house. Great joy and gratitude. Engage.